This episode of Market Foolery is brought to you by Molecule, the world's first molecular air purifier that reduces symptoms for allergy and asthma sufferers. For $75 off your first order, visit Molecule.com, that's M-O-L-E-K-U-L-E.com, and use the promo code FOOL75. It's Thursday, January 24th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hell, joining me in studio from MFAM Funds, Bill Barker. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. We've been in the studio for close to well, at least 15 minutes, I would say. I was going to say close to 20. Maybe it's close to 20. Had a very lively discussion about the recent Baseball Hall of Fame inductees. And now we're going to move on to the business portion of the show. The baseball, that's that discussion is lost. Lost forever. Um, we're going to get to McCormick. We're going to dip into the full mailbag. We got to start with the airlines, though. Uh, Southwest, JetBlue, American, Alaska Air—they're all reporting. They're all up. Uh, do any of the four stand out to you? Because when I saw all of this taking place this morning, I thought back to a report I saw on CNBC. Uh, one of their uh, reporters that I really like a lot is a guy named Phil LeBeau, uh, covers the automotive industry. He had done a sort of a preview of 2019 about the airline industry, and uh, was pretty bullish on airlines. And certainly, we're we're seeing that play out in these four stocks today. Yeah, they're all up about the same amount. I think uh, as a group, you're seeing that the airlines uh, are. To generalize, they've got a healthy business environment. Last year, all of their stocks suffered, some more than others, and some down sort of in the low teens and some up to 40% in terms of their stock price. And that wasn't because business fell off a cliff, it was more that the operating margin was hit by increased fuel costs. And despite how well the numbers have have come in really uh, for the year. This is a highly cyclical industry. The profits are highly cyclical, and they don't trade at, at very high multiples. And certainly, this comes against the backdrop of uh, the government shutdown, which has entered its second month. Uh, TSA employees uh, certainly. Uh, playing a factor in this, and as we were talking about earlier this morning um, on some of the conference calls, you rightfully so you had the executives of these companies talking about the effect of the government shutdown, um, and presumably the longer it goes, uh, the more of a drag it's going to be on the airline industry. Yeah, certainly you've got a lot of people who are right now trying to figure out how to pay the bills, so they're not going to be booking uh, fares that are. Optional, and particularly for Southwest, which is much more dependent on leisure travelers than business travelers, uh, and very price sensitive travelers, I would expect them to maybe take a bigger hit than uh, American or Delta or something like that. Also, Southwest's got one of its big hubs at BWI, so they're perhaps a little bit more exposed. Everybody is exposed, and certainly if you know if worse comes to worse in terms of uh, TSA agents. Uh, not being there to keep the the lines manageable, then yeah, you might see that trickle into people's purchase of uh, spring vacation, um, which is already heavily impacted this year by the placement of Easter, as you know, because uh, it comes late this year. Yeah, uh, the first full moon after the vernal equinox is is late. 
this year. So, uh, so is Easter. Okay, if you say so. I'm I'm not up on the moon phases uh, like you are. Well, uh, let me help you out then, because <laughs> uh, as I mean, as you, I did get a chance to see the the super wolf blood moon or whatever. I forget the order you, of those you, words, yeah, but uh, do you that know was, do you know why that was the wolf moon? No, please enlighten me. It's just the the January full moon in the Native American uh, vernacular. Okay, uh, so that every month has got its own like cool name for the moon. Okay. February, we've got a snow moon coming. Okay, so it's a wolf whether moon, it snows or not. It's a blood moon because it uh, it turns red at some point, and it's super. Why? Just because it looks so big? Uh, just branding. <laughs> I don't think it was branding. PR. I, I think it PR. was. <laughs> I had heard it was an actual scientific term from uh, the the moon people. I'm more likely the moon just hired the right people to get that one out there. Smart, very smart. Uh, and then October, you know, you've heard the hunter the hunter's moon. That's October. Okay. The harvest moon in September. Yes, but har- nobody ever talks about the beaver moon in November or the sturgeon moon in August. They need to work on their branding. The sturgeon moon needs a complete overhaul. That's they need a rename. Or the strawberry moon in June. But but to get back to something that is in some way related to business. Thank God. Uh, what we are talking about is the movement of Easter. And last year, Easter was on April first. So you got a large chunk of the spring vacation travel happening in the first quarter. This year, uh, what is it, the 23rd of April? I think that's right. So, uh, because it's the first Sunday after the first full moon after the vernal equinox, and so it's very late this year, and that's going to push a lot of business into April that otherwise was in March. And so, on a year-over-year basis, uh, look for the airlines to have, uh, you know, to be talking at this time next a uh, quarter, three months from now, like, hey, remember we said that Easter was going to affect our, our bottom line. I get that with Southwest, JetBlue, American, Alaska, all four of them, all four of those stocks are up today. And as you said, all about the same amount, all up around four or five percent. I will just point out, however, that this caps the 46th straight year of profitability for Southwest Airlines. And I think if you're, I don't know, Literally any other airline, you might want to take a look at what Southwest has been doing for the last four plus decades. Not just in terms of the culture on the planes and the attempt of of the crew, and I would say the success of the crew in having a little bit of fun to make the in-flight experience a little bit more enjoyable, but also just basic things like you know what? Typically, when people fly, they need a piece of luggage or two, so we're not going to charge people for those first two bags. We're not going to nickel and dime them on fees. That appears to be working out in terms of, again, 46 straight years of being profitable. Yeah, Southwest does stand apart in terms of the consistency of its performance, and it's having been at some points identified as being the only airline that you would have done well to have invested in because of the tendency of airlines to go bankrupt on a frequent basis. Right. And that's one of the reasons why, despite very good numbers uh, this year, uh, I mean, it's trading at about eight times earnings. And that's because uh, when the cycle goes the wrong way, not only will 
uh, profits decline. So you can't just build a model where you say, well, we'll look at today's numbers and maybe they'll make five to ten percent more next year and the year after and the year after that, as you might choose to do with some businesses, and you would be close to accurate with some long-standing businesses that had predictable histories. Uh, the downside is, hey, when things go bad, these things tend to be worth zero. Uh, and everybody has, has seen the experience, and basically everybody's gone bankrupt at some point or another, other than Southwest. Let's move on to McCormick. Fourth quarter profits for the spice maker were higher than a year ago, but lower than expected. And the stock, which has had a good 12 months, sold off this morning. Uh, shares of McCormick down about 13%. Um, is that, I guess I should ask, how much of that is due to the run up that the stock has had? I would say more than half, if I had to throw a percentage on it, because it was up. Uh, I want to say somewhere in the neighborhood of 30% last year. And that wasn't because the business grew 30%. Uh, it did have the acquisition in the middle of 2017 of um, French, and that uh, supported the growth numbers that showed up in the first half of last year. Frank's hot sauce. Frank's. And I think that you're looking at a company which just reported 1% sales growth. And it's trading at about 25 times earnings. Well, all right, it's translating the 1% sales growth into greater earnings per share than that. But how are you going to justify a 25 multiple on something that grows the top line at 1% indefinitely? Well, maybe they'll make more acquisitions like uh, Frank's. Uh, but uh, they need to because the the market for spices itself is not going to grow very fast. They pay a nice dividend, though. I mean, if you're if you're listing out reasons to buy McCormick, uh, I would put somewhere on the list they pay a dividend. And also, if you put a gun to my head, I couldn't name another. I don't know who is the Pepsi to their Coke. No, and so they are in a dominant position, uh, not only under their own brand name, but in their their supply of a large chunk of the competition. That is, a lot of the store uh, store brands are, are really supplied by McCormick and uh, private labeled. So there isn't much of a number two player. Uh, nevertheless, hey, you know, thirty percent stock price return last year is is hard to uh, repeat when you're not growing very fast. Uh, quick shout out before we get to the full mailbag. Quick shout out to Molecule, the world's first molecular air purifier that reduces symptoms for allergy and asthma sufferers. Uh, Molecule's introduced a breakthrough science that's finally capable of destroying air pollutants at a molecular level. And there's no truth to the rumor that they're leveraging that technology to destroy planets on a planetary level. Uh, Molecule makes a real difference for asthma and allergy sufferers, helping them better cope with their conditions and significantly reducing their symptoms. One customer reportedly said after using Molecule in their home, she was able to breathe through her nose for the first time in 15 years. Now, that's, that's part of the copy that Molecule gives us to read. Um, here's a real-life example that happened this week. Uh, I was standing by the elevator, and uh, our, our colleague, uh, Melissa Malinowski, was walking by and sort of you know looked in my direction and then immediately turned on her heels and came over to me and she was like hey I took the molecule thing home because we have one here in the office and I was like oh how like how'd it go 
and she just proceeded to rave about it. And she was saying, like, I woke up and I thought, oh, is this what it feels like to be? Is this how normal people feel breathing every morning? You know, she was texting her husband, just like, I don't have to put in visine drops in my eyes. Like, I feel amazing. You know, so Melissa Malinowski, a life change. So, of the copy that you were given to read, the yeah. part about it may or may not be involved in destroying planets. That was not part of the copy. That was that not part of the copy. That was a little improv. Okay. I'm just throwing that out there. Because I don't want people buying into those rumors that, that may or may not be floating that out. That may or may not even exist. Exactly. Who's to say whether the rumors started earlier today in this studio? In this crazy mixed up world, who can say? No, nobody can remember. Uh, Molecule's easy to use. It has a clean and sleek design from the materials used on the device, like its sleek, solid aluminum shell, to a filter subscription service where filters regularly arrive on your doorstep when you need them. And. You get $75 off your first order. Go to Molecule.com and use the promo code FOOL75, that's M-O-L-E-K-U-L-E.com, and use the promo code FOOL75. Our email address is marketfoolery at fool.com. You can also hit us up on Twitter, if you're on the Twitter, at marketfoolery is the show's handle. A question from a longtime listener and friend of the show, Chet Felizic. Out in Seattle, uh, Chet asks, "Are the giant swings that we see in stocks these days historically similar to that of the pre-quant era, or is this new?" I remember giant swings being big news even 10, 15 years ago, but now it seems daily we hear about 10 to 30 percent drops or gains in stocks. Uh, you're the analyst in the room, but I, when I saw this question from Chet, I just thought to myself, "Yeah, that that." That seems directionally correct, just with quant trading being what it is, algorithmic trading being what it is. Uh, so I don't have the data to tell you whether the percentage of stocks moving up on a daily basis or down by by some number, ten percent, twenty percent, has increased. Uh, it probably has. One of the reasons for that would be that the number. Um, the number of stocks that are uh, biotech, where or something that that reacts to an FDA uh, clearance or uh, rejection, is is greater. There are a greater number of things in the um, sort of exploratory phase, and they will go up 50, 80 percent on good, bad news. Um, so that that that's a small sliver of uh, the total out there. Uh, there was very little volatility for the market as a whole, um, you know, going into the third quarter of last year. Uh, that changed at the end of the year. So, I mean, there could be some recency bias on it feeling like right now things are moving. The market itself has been a lot more volatile in the last four months than it had been. Uh, the quant thing, yeah, that's out there. There, and I can't say that I have the data to. You know, support or reject that thesis. Well, and certainly don't discount the effect of social media and and media in general. The speed with which information travels, we're just more aware now. Um, also, operating in a universe where there are fewer publicly traded companies in the United States than there were 15 years ago. Yeah, I think that the uh, one another item could be in terms of things going down on a daily basis that don't end up um, really changing the story of the stock, but ends up being a lot of volatility is the short seller reports. 
um, which have been out there, but I think that they are more sophisticated in getting that story out, uh, which can create some you know one directional uh, pressure on a stock in in the terms of one day, which is then oftentimes reversed over the you know following days. Uh, so there's there's more of that. There are more rewards to getting. A story, even if it's just if it just takes hold for a very short period of time, there are more people involved in trying to profit off of a one-day movement of stock. Also, uh, Wes Yee and a couple other listeners uh, flagging uh, a recent story uh, near and dear to my heart, and that is uh, our good friends at Mondelez, particularly in the Oreo division, up to it again. Their latest limited edition Oreo is something called the Most Stuff, and it has it's like a double stuff, but it has I don't know anywhere from triple to quadruple the amount of of cream filling, um, and it does not look good. Unlike the Oreo thins, which I was actually in favor of because you know you get you get a little more of the cookie there on a ratio basis. But now it's just like well, at some point, at some point, it's not going to surprise me at all if they just start selling like small tubs of the cream filling, the Oreo cream filling. It's just like look, we know you want this. We'll give you a plastic spoon to go with it. Here you go. Enjoy, America. Yeah, no, I think I think you're right. I think that's that's where this is going. Much more likely than that they'll, although maybe they do this, just sell the cookie part. Yes, that's true. Yeah, I think that's right. Um, you're more into the cookie than the filling. I want a little bit of the filling. I don't need quadruple the amount of filling. This is you it's know what not the, about need. <laughs> this is like when razor blades and you and I are old enough to remember this. I mean, you're you know, a good 40, 50 years older than I am, but but old enough to remember when ra- when it came to shaving, razor blades there was the single blade. And that went on for a very long time. And then it was uh, someone came out with a double blade razor and then triple and then four blade, and then five blade, and I would argue those are improvements. I would argue the the four times the amount of cream filling in an Oreo, ah, not an improvement. They're looking you at don't, what the, you don't know yet, though, do you? They're, you I'm, haven't tried. I'm not going to try this. No, no. They're you, looking. This at what, is where you take your stand. You've taken your stand against basically everything except the the straight Oreo, the thins, the thins. Sure. But what? How many other Oreos have you tried? Let me be clear. This is about business spending at Mondelez run amok. This all comes down to the business. They've got the number one selling cookie in America. They've got the number two selling cookie in America, and they're just like whoever's running the Oreo division is just out there saying, "Hey, look, I'm crushing it. I've got the top two selling cookies. Give me a bigger budget. I want to create more. I want to explore my inner artists." And come up with different flavors and that sort of thing, and the spending is run amok. And Mondelez shareholders are doing worse because of this type of attitude in the Oreo division. Explain to me how <laughs> the spending changes when you repackage the same materials in a more stuffing to cookie ratio. We we got to advertise. We need more money for no, advertising. No, you're here. You're supplying the advertisement. You, okay. Do you think you're going to go to the Super Bowl and see commercials for this? Possibly. I mean, all right, I'm willing to bet on that. Producer Dan Boyd wants to jump in. Dan, do you have a thought? Yeah, I hate to do it, but I'm going to agree with Barker here. This is absolutely ridiculous. This is the same thing as saying like Taco Bell shouldn't innovate with their stable of Mexican themed ingredients to make whatever ridiculous food that they can. 
to delight the people of the United States of America. This is saying, like, the iPhone shouldn't get better. It's already good enough. This is saying, like, cars shouldn't get safer. They're already safe enough. What are you doing over here? Wait a minute, wait a minute. He's just trying to get the darn kids off his lawn. I was with you. On the Taco Bell point, and by the way, I did see an ad on uh, television this morning. The limited edition nacho fries are back for Taco Bell, so yum shareholders should be happy about that. I was with you, Dan, on that. But the moment you equated what the Oreo people are doing to car safety, like, no. This is the kind of thinking that kills innovation. And innovation (laughs) drives business, Chris. Everybody knows this. I can't think of a better place to wrap up than there. Bill Barker. Uh, five minutes ago, probably. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Hopefully, people dropped out five minutes ago. Uh, you can read more from Bill Barker and his colleagues. Go to mfamfunds.com. That's mfamfunds.com. And uh, if you want more of producer Dan Boyd, get on the Twitter and follow him. Um, thanks for being here. Thank you. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So, don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you on Monday.